0: Welcome to Lift and Love Conversations, where we are building a supportive culture around LGBTQ families in The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm Allison Dayton from Lift and Love, and I will show you how to
1: lean into your spiritual discomfort to deepen and grow your testimony of Jesus Christ. And I'm Jenny Hunter of Jenny Hunter Coaching. I will help you identify obstacles that could get in the way of sustaining healthy relationships and realizing the blessings of being an LGBTQ family. Each week, we will bring you lessons we've learned through our own lives, the experiences of families we've worked with, and conversations with amazing experts. Welcome, our Lift & Love community. We are so excited to be with you today to talk about our second Declaration of Divinity. And we are thrilled because we have brought somebody who is amazing and is part of the Lift & Love team now, TJ Thomas.
0: TJ is a clinical therapist who grew up in Vegas. Um, He's, oh, and he went to BYU and USC for his, he went to USC for his graduate work. And TJ is an active gay man in the church. The interesting, another interesting thing, there's a lot of interesting things about TJ, but one of the interesting things about him is that he is um, active, LDS, He's in the elders quorum presidency, and he is dating a man. So TJ has a lot of wisdom and a lot of experience uh, for what we're going to talk about today. Not only that, but TJ has graciously agreed to run our support groups for our youths, uh, 14 to, let's see, they're uh, 12 to 17, right?
1: Yeah, the youth one, yeah.
0: 12 to 17 and our young adults who are 18 to 30. He runs our support groups.
1: And if you want to like, just check out how amazing he is, you need to go to his Instagram. TJ brings a lot of content on Instagram, a lot of wisdom. And obviously he's an amazing counselor and therapist. And so if you want to kind of just get comfortable with who is running the groups, that's a great way to check him out and to see him because I love your videos, TJ. Like, you, you're pretty, um, you have, like I told you, you have your Instagram game on On fleek, is on spot.
0: Yeah. And he's so, he's so uplifting and happy. So welcome TJ.
2: Thank you. Yeah. I'm very happy to be here. Um, if you are looking to check it out, it's at TJ counseling. Um, and it's, yeah, I, I, I saw a long time ago, a pretty uh, big need for just easy, easy access to mental health resources. Cause most of the stuff I was finding was like great podcasts, but they're like an hour long. Yeah. So I do, um, I do weekly videos that are like five or six minutes, just like easy digestible bite-sized pieces. Um, and now I'm, I'm also trying to add in more LGBTQ specific, uh, mental health resources in there too. So I am so glad I get to expand and do stuff with you guys now too. Wow.
1: Yeah. The cream are wealth of Jenny and I, <laughs> yes, And you are, it's just, you're a great asset to the team. You're a wealth of wisdom and information and authority because you see things differently from us, you know? So we love that. We love the diversity.
0: And I love the, the, um, the thoughtful way you're going about your life and, um, the healthy way you're going about your life. And that just parallels perfectly or intersects perfectly with our topic today. So one of the things that Jenny and I have found over the last year's working together and as mothers of uh, to mothers, both mothers of gay children is that um, as our children were growing and when they were little, we recognized that there were things, uh, there were characteristics about our children that were different. There oh, are characteristics <laughs> about our children that we start, some of us start really noticing when they're little, where you could say, wow, that's, not the typical behavior for uh, a little boy. Um, I know that was true for me and and Jenny, we've talked about how that was true for you as well.
1: Yeah, Nick. I mean, and you talked to any of his aunts or his grandparents who were like, he's so unique. Like he was obsessed with diamonds or just like, like how he saw the world so little as a little boy was so different from me. It was so fun because he would say or see things. And I would be like, I don't even like look at it that way. It was set. It was like looking at the world with a different set of glasses. So so early, he was so unique from other little boys. And it was just a really fun experience as the mom to raise him in that way. Right. So, so when you know
0: that, and the mothers who know, um, when people reduce your child to someone who uh, when they reduce it to sex, when there's Mm -hmm. these multiple layers of this child that are different and unique and beautiful and valuable and important. It's, um, it's frustrating to say the least. And I can't imagine what it feels like to be an individual reduced to that one piece of yourself. So um, we've invited uh, TJ to talk about our mother, our second declaration. And Jenny, do you want to read it?
1: Sure. Love to. Okay, this is where we're focusing on the eternal nature of our LGBTQ faiths. And it says, understanding and honoring our child's sexuality and gender is critical for their mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual health. Their identity permeates all aspects of their spirit and is not limited to their sexuality or sexual orientation.
0: Okay, what do you think about that,
2: TJ? Ooh, I love it so much. I have so many thoughts. I don't think we have <laughs> enough time on this podcast for it, but we'll, we'll um, try and be quiet and let you thoughts. <laughs> you guys you know this is so beautifully worded because it hits so perfectly. So many of the things that I try to work on, um, both for myself personally and also with a lot of the clients and the parents of clients specifically. Um, I do have a lot of LGBTQ clients, and a lot of the work that I do is just with trying to help the parents figure out what to do with this and. The vast, vast majority of the parents, actually, I would say so far, all of them um, have really wanted to help their child in the best way possible. But a lot of them being both LDS and, you know, now parents of LGBTQ children are just caught in this, uh, what to them seems like an an impasse of just this impossible conflict between these two sides. And how do I balance the two? And it's helping them to figure out that there, there is no impasse there are challenges for sure. There are difficulties. There are going to be things that are going to, that are going to stretch you and are going to challenge you that are going to make you rethink some of your world and life assumptions, but they're actually perfectly compatible. Um, if you approach it from this kind of, of view. Um, and I do think one of the big parts of it is what you've been saying is recognizing that it is not just about sex. Right. Um, and yeah, and that's something like, Anyone who's in this space for very long will hear that repeated so many times. Like I was a guest on, on uh, Ben and Charlie's on questions from the closet. And we talked about that a lot too there. Like they both talk about that a lot because yeah, it it does get very frustrating when the the phrase that you hear it with is uh, well, it's fine if you're LGBTQ, but quote, don't act on it right? That's, that's the saying. We're not just talking
0: about sex. We're talking about not acting on a whole lot of characteristics, right?
2: Right. Right. Yeah.
1: That's what I think people don't understand because they're they're thinking, oh, I'm saying don't act on the sex, but really like it's, it's all of you, right? It's like, it it affects your soul and your body. It's not
2: just your body we're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, (laughs) and I would challenge anyone who's thinking, well, yeah, just, just don't, don't date don't have sex don't don't get married do those things but you know everything else is fine you can be lgbtq but don't be lgbtq i would challenge them to think about how that same logic would it or would it have not worked for them with their own sexuality like mm-hmm. how much of yourself did you learn and develop and grow and cherish through your dating experiences the good and the bad through your relationships how you grow with another person how the way that you see the world is impacted by the way that you see other people. Um, So just saying don't act on it is such, I mean, not only very limiting, but it's, it's just not even possible, right? It's, it's asking an impossible thing. If I weren't. And and so when I say acting on it, it, I'm not even talking about sex. Once again, I'm just saying if I weren't acting on being LGBTQ, I wouldn't be as good of a therapist because I wouldn't be as compassionate. I wouldn't be as in tune uh, with my own emotions and my own logic. Like I, I've I've had several friends actually for a while who I did. I, I realized way too late in my life that I should be a therapist. But for <laughs> years and years, friends have been calling me the band aid, and like I was like our friend's mini therapist in our friend group. And so you've so, been
1: a therapist your whole life,
2: officially. Yeah, yeah <laughs> just not getting paid for it. <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah. a lot of them would say things uh, to me about how I have a natural ability to be able to see both the emotional and the logical side of things and marry them in a way that a lot of people are more leaning towards the emotion versus the logic. And, you know, there's kind of the division. And I've been able to do that for a long time. And I think part of that is that I'm bi and that I have this very different worldview that a lot of other people don't have. But anyway, the reason I bring that up is I wouldn't have those skills. I don't think that my personality, I don't think my brain would have those abilities to be able to help people in the way that I do as a therapist for me personally, if I wasn't LGBTQ. So don't act on It's not just saying, don't have sex. It's yeah. saying, don't see the world the way that you see it. Don't have relationships the way with other people, the way you see them. Don't see yourself um, in these ways. Don't, don't be connected to the entire part of who you are. That's what don't act on it. That implies all of those things. And I think a lot of people just don't recognize that when they use that phrase.
0: No, because we've we've coined it, and it felt comfortable for people to say that, and then they could, you know, all of that. But, but I, as I say, like, so I really struggle with the same-sex attracted because I think it's very inappropriate to to attribute that to a child. Mm. Um, and even when you're an emergent sexual being, like, at 13-ish and whatever, like, still, um, it's still pointing towards sex, which is inappropriate also for a 13-year-old. Right. When you're just emerging as a a sexual person, there are many, many, many steps to get you through that experience and to be healthy in those experiences that don't have anything to do with sex. And hopefully those steps will take a long time for you to get through. Yeah. You are at the point of, you know, having healthy sex.
2: Well, I think that's I think we do. Like you mentioned, we try to. uh uh, this isn't a real world, but like, we try to clinicalize things yeah. like to, yeah. to make them more sterile or more safe. Right. I right. think same sex attracted is one of those terms. Um, I think even homosexual is one of those terms, because again, it it is just talking about sex. Mm-hmm. Um, when you, the term homosexual is usually used in, you know, in clinical terms and when we're talking, you know, in, in journals and scientific community uses that term a lot. Um, But then on the flip side, you have terms like gay that a lot of people carry a lot of baggage around that term as well. And a lot of people aren't sure if that, you know, what that term means or how to use it. And so I think that's one of the reasons why it's so important. If you are anyone um, working with LGBTQ people, a mom, a bishop, I don't care what, is to mirror their language. Um, Because I do know that a lot of LGBTQ people do initially identify very strongly with same sex attracted because for them it's a safer way to begin to explore what they're feeling without taking on the entire identity because they're not comfortable with that yet. And most of them usually move on to I'm I'm gay and bisexual and transgender or I'm you know whatever. Um, and a lot are now moving on to queer as just kind of a really good catch all because it doesn't have to you don't have to disclose every part of your identity about who you're interested in romantically or sexually or anything else. It's just, I'm, I'm different. Some people really like that and some people really don't. So that's my recommendation for all parents that I work with professionally too, is just if your kid is telling you that they're gay, use the word gay. If your kid's telling you that they're same sex attracted, then you can use that word too. But yeah, don't, don't impose what you're most comfortable with onto your kid. Let your kid tell you like, they're the one who is, who is in this world and they need to figure out their identity. So just use their language.
0: Well that's really helpful for leaders as well to know. Yeah. To to go forward with that. Like there's no harm. In fact, there's two articles, one in the Leahona and one in the Strength of Youth, both church magazines for October. One of them uses same sex attracted, the other one uses LGBTQ. So we're we're opening up and we know that at the women's conference, they use the word queer. So in the church setting, we have an opera we've we've used them all officially, and now they're all open to use. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and we can go ahead and use who, whatever name people need. So.
1: And I like how you said that TJ, like where they're at, where they're comfortable with it. Like, because I do like, would you say um, as a, a member of the queer community, like what, how is that journey go like, like accepting, like being like same sex attracted to like them being LGBTQ, like how, what, how did it change for you as like you accept it like it was just beyond sex
2: sure yeah it was it was really hard i'll be honest um and it took a long time a, a big part of that is the uh internalized homophobia and heteronormativity that you just grow up with uh, when you're part of a very conservative religious community whether it's lds or any other um so part of it is just growing up hearing that those messages you internalize that and so you push away any anything that might indicate that is it's really easy to just live in a world of denial which is what I did for a very very long time now looking back at it i think about things like um like what one of the easy go to examples is i remember walking past the men's underwear section and feeling nervous and like i needed to get out of there because someone would catch me in the men's underwear section
1: mm.
2: and i was like well of course i'm in the men's underwear section i'm a man and i could just be buying underwear but, and so but now looking back i'm like oh the reason i felt like nervous and scared being there was because I had so much shame around the fact that I found, you know, the, the pictures on the underwear packaging to be attractive. And I had so much shame around that, that it made me feel like that was, wasn't a place that I was allowed to be. Right. Whereas, you know, normally that would just be something that would just be like, okay, yeah. Right. Like I, and, and if I felt the same things going by the Victoria secret, like I understood why that was happening because I was like, oh, well that's, you know, those are some bras and I would get what was going on, but when you have so many deep layers of, of denial in you, it, it creates a lot of conflict. So yeah, I, I went through years of all of the things that I now very openly and clearly tell people aren't the case about being LGBTQ were the things that I myself used to try to explain it away, right. That it was just a phase, that it was a problem created because of pornography, that it was, you know, um, a, any number of, of things that people used to try to explain it or justify or it. over Yeah. Yeah. And I used Probably all of them at different points, um, including the idea that it isn't part of my eternal nature. Even once I accepted that I was, and at this point I was using the phrases, same sex attracted, probably mostly because that was the phrasing that my bishop was using as I was working with him. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that was like, that was yeah, that was kind of the church stamp of approval kind of phrase that we use for it. Because right. again, it keeps it clinical and safe and sterile. Um, but even when I got to that point, it was the idea of, oh well, this is just something that's happened to my physical body, and that in the next life it'll be gone, and it won't, it won't be that way. I'll be, I'll be quote normal. Um, and I, of anything, that was probably the biggest one to overcome because when you're in that space, there's so, so, so much shame and self-loathing and. Yeah. Like it just creates so many problems that I'm sure most of the listeners have, have become aware with, if they're following you guys that, you know, if you're telling yourself that you're never going to get to be happy in this life, but that in the next life, it'll be cured and it'll be taken away from you. The only thing that makes you want to do is get to the next life faster. yeah mm-hmm. And that's yeah. not a spot that you want to put people in. And
0: well, that, yeah. that's what we talk about, like to be emotionally, mentally, physically yeah. and spiritually healthy um we cannot i mean how do you consider yourself a broken or like flawed individual like i mean we're all flawed but like flawed in a really important way to the savior how does that how do you ever get to emotional health if that is the belief that you have to hold on to is that you came broken and that the savior will fix you in the next life like there's there's not there's not a path through that to Back to, I am a divine child of heavenly parents. Right. We know that we each are. We testify that. In fact, in young women's, and I think now in young men's. Yeah, they do have a theme now. We that every week, or every other week, I guess. Now you can see how long it's been since I've been in young women's. But there's no path. So that clearly can't be the answer, right? Right. Right. Because the Lord has declared all of us divine and all of
1: us, his children. And, and you, I, and as you're telling your story, TJ, I could tell that it was, it was affecting you mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, all of those things with denying that. Right. So what changed for you once you had a new understanding?
2: Um, honestly, really everything. Um, like, I mean, if we just walk down that list, um, I think the, the mental is very obvious. I was, I was no longer suicidal. And I would say, I would say that's both mental and emotional health. I was, I was no longer wanting to die to be able to escape this terrible fate that I had been dealt. Right. Um, that, uh, I mean, my mental health improved in huge numbers of ways. I was no longer, when you have such a huge thing to hide, you're constantly in fight or flight. So I was no longer feeling anxious all the time or scared about, you know, what people were going to do or what people were going to say. I was, I didn't have to be defensive about it anymore um, because I didn't hate it about myself anymore. Right. I mean, I remember you guys talk about mothers knowing, like, I remember one time um, my mom, uh, she didn't straight up ask me um, if I was gay, but she, uh, she, I can't remember exactly how the conversation went, but I was, I had a friend um, who was attending a family function with me um, and T and I were, you know, being close and joking around. And, um, my mom pulled me aside at some point later and and said that, you know, we were, we were acting very, very close and she, you know, she didn't want to give the wrong idea to people. And she didn't even say the words, but I immediately got so defensive. And I just, I remember I like almost yelled at her and my dad, like, I'm not gay. What are you saying? Like I was, I just, yeah, you're, you're on so high alert for that all the time. And that drains your yeah. mental health so quickly. Um, really? Physical health, the exact same thing. Like your mental health is always going to play into your physical health. I, you can, you can worry yourself literally sick, and a lot of people do.
0: Um, Can you can you be okay? I mean, we're given this amazing gift of a body, Mm -hmm. right? And a spirit, and a spirit, and spirit. We're given these like amazing gifts. That's why we're here is to receive these amazing gifts from the Savior, and yet to think that you were just like like handed a bad one like i mean every, there's a lot of people with uh, you know disabilities or different parts of their body that doesn't work very well i always say sure. like i have a hyperact i have a, an ADD kid i have a kid who was born without an eye and with an out, out an olfactory well she had her uh her um optic nerve was underdeveloped. So she can't see, and she doesn't have an olfactory lobe. So she can't smell Mm. like here's a difference in a child. I have a child who's ADD as I am. And then I have a child who's gay. Like these are all different varieties that make up these amazing little bodies that we brought into this life. And to think that one of those attributes is lesser than the others is it's silly, really, if we really right. start thinking about
2: it. Well, and, and right. no one would ever, ever suggest that being born without an olfactory sense is a sin, right? Or being okay. born in ADD is a sin. And that's unfortunately, I think. No.
0: But one, in, 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 historically, right? Didn't, didn't, the, um, didn't the Pharisees, when Jesus healed the blind man, the Pharisees said to him, who, who sinned, this man or his parents? And I know that my parents uh, raising a gay child, that was the idea, is that it was so that's where we used to think that the parent, Mm -hmm. the overbearing mother, which my mother is not, and the absent father created a gay child, right? Right. So, you know, that was sort of a version of who sinned, the parent or the child. And we're still sort of in this like child, the child is the sinner because they've chosen this lifestyle. Um, which gratefully the brethren have disavowed that, and um, although some people still hold on to that, we don't believe that it's a choice. We don't know exactly what it is that makes yeah. people. Uh,
2: I, I I want to repeat that very clearly for anyone listening, because if you are in a congregation in which your leaders. Or anyone says that being LGBTQ is a choice, you have absolute permission to go to the church's official website and point them at where it says that it is not a choice. Because even just recently, um, after the whole Elder Holland thing that I won't get into right now, I heard um, a friend reporting that their um, their bishop took the fifth Sunday lesson to talk about the Elder Holland thing and repeated repeatedly and emphatically that being LGBTQ is a choice. And this is coming from the Bishop of the Word saying this over and over. And so there's a lot of people imagine? out there who still don't know and who need to be informed that no, it's not. And not only is that the opinion of the entire professional community, but it's also the opinion of the official church leadership. So
0: right, right. And I think it's so important because really a lot of the the ideas we have around LGBTQ people are based on the idea that they chose it.
2: Mm-hmm. Even though
0: we may think we aren't really still in that kind of idea set. Um they we we still we use some of those ideas that were in that that idea set that they that you have chosen this.
1: But what we really want to say is that like we really believe and we've and from all the mothers we've talked to, um they all say, yeah, early on I felt this or I saw this or I saw this in my child. And So the second part of this declaration is their identity permeates all aspects of their spirit and is not limited to their sexuality or sexual orientation. And this is really important for us to really understand the soul and the body, I think. And President Nelson gave a great article and it's called Your Body, A Magnificent Gift to Cherish. And it's in the enzyme, and I'll um, link it in the show notes. And he talks about how we are dual beings and that each one of our souls is composed of a body and a spirit, both of which emanate from God. And he talks about how um, understanding our body and spirit really shapes us, our thoughts, our deeds, everything. And that prior to our mortal existence, he says that each spirit, son and daughter lived with God and that the spirit is eternal and it existed in the premarital realm. And the spirit provides the body. I love this part. He says, the spirit provides the body with animation and personality and all spirit is matter, but it is more finer, pure. And so really to understand that the spirit and the body, like the spirit is by, is being housed in your body. And he tells us that it's able to develop and express all of our attributes in a way that are vital to our eternal progression. So like our compassion, our love, integrity, like all the different things that make us unique are part of our spirit. And so the spirit and the body, like to me, it is like, that's why, and I see that in my son, I could testify that as his mother, I know. I'm a mother who knows who part of him being gay and LGBTQ isn't just his body and what his appetites, it is part of his nature. It is part of the gifts he brings to the world.
0: So I think Charlie bird does a really good job of that in his book um, without the masks. And I remember I was listening to it, driving down, to meet my son, to move him into his new apartment, you know, in his third year at BYU or second year. So he talks about how he was going to church, but he started to feel uncomfortable going to young men's. And so he would hide in a, in a room in the church. And one day his sister came find, to find him because she, she knew he wasn't there. And she's like, Charlie, what are you doing in here? Why aren't you in class? And he said, I can't go anymore. And she's like, why? And he's like, I'm a freak. And she said, what do you mean like you're a freak? And he said, I'm not like the other guys. I don't fit in. I don't do the sports that they do. And she's like, well, you do sports. And, but he's like, not the cool ones. I don't, you know, he's like, there's all this inked over these differences in him. Um, he's like, I told her, he says, I told her I got made of fun of for my girly handwriting and for being in show choir. Um, he said, I felt like I needed to pretend then he says, I can't go to young men's, Janine. I'm not a real man. I don't belong there. And she says you, to him, you think you're less of a man because some 17-year-old bullies say you're too feminine, she asked. Well, they're right, he said. Janine paused for a thoughtful moment and said, Charlie. And it still gets me. Jesus made flowers. What? He said. Think about the creation. Jesus made flowers. She repeated, "Jesus Christ, the most perfect man that ever has ever lived made flowers. He's creative like you, Charlie. He's sincere, love of beauty, of uh, love of beauty, and affinity for design. He's compassionate and kind, emotional, just like you are." My soul felt lighter. He talks about the soul, right? Mm-hmm. As she spoke. Being a man has nothing to do with gender stereotypes, Charlie. All these things that you are embarrassed, they make you more like Jesus. The very qualities you're ashamed of are, in fact, innate Christ like characteristics. And then he goes on to talk about how he was a cake decorator in high school and he would hide anytime anyone that he knew came in because they didn't want him to see him like piping the flowers. <laughs> Um, and he said, on his mission, however, I let the members of a local congregation know that I was a professionally trained cake decorator. I used my skills to bless people's lives. I made cakes for people who had upcoming weddings or anniversary parties, but didn't have the funds to order custom made designs. One time I even saved an event where the cake fell and was destroyed just 10 minutes before the party was set to start. I slapped on a number 12 tip and cranked out a dozen icing roses before anyone could bat an eye. As I allowed myself to be authentic without fear of being labored or bullied for being gay, my experiences echoed what Janine had said to me about the savior and femininity. When I fully embraced who I was, I was able to help bring people to Christ. My feminine traits helped um, helped me gain the trust of those around me. And I felt like an increased sense of purpose and belonging as I used my unique personality to serve others. I just love that. I love this I idea. Love um, and our children, in fact, I was driving down to BYU and I picked up my son and I was like, he had been learning to knit. I'm like, let's go get you some yarn at this cute little store down there in Provo and Harmony, by the way, if anyone ever is in Provo, because <laughs> I thought that's a real, like, I want to exaggerate. I want to I want to spotlight him for the differences that he is and that, right. he, that he has.
1: I think we talked right after, like you had listened to that. Cause it was so impactful and you're like, you've got to listen to this, Jenny. Like even at that moment on your journey, you're so far in this journey, it changed how you saw your son. Like yeah. it gave you understanding. And I, this yeah, is I, mean, what I was I already deep into in, like lift and love and right. But this declaration, I hope it helps you like really see like the gifts of your children, are part like our are, are soul deep, and that is a lot of the gifts they have is because they are LGBTQ. Like TJ, like what gifts would you think are tied to that for you?
2: Um, definitely, definitely my compassion for sure, a hundred percent is tied into that. Um, I well, and I'll be honest, like I it wasn't until pretty recently that I, for the very first time in my life, thanked heavenly father for being LGBTQ. Mm. Um, because it, I mean, for a long time, it was this thing that I hated and I was ashamed of. And then I got to this place of just like, okay, well, you know, it's, it's not a sin to, to be LGBTQ. You know, the church says it's not a sin, but you know, I I was saying the same things again, don't act on it, you know, that kind of stuff. And then I got to the place of just like, okay, well, you know, maybe it's not so bad. And now I'm finally at the place where I now kind of see it as this superpower that I have that, that is amazing. Because I know, I know for myself, like I mentioned, when I was deep in my phases of denial, I was incredibly homophobic. Um, I, I used to run a blog and I wrote a blog article about why I disagreed with same-sex marriage. Like I, I was as an LGBTQ person doing these kind of things, right? Um, being very, uh, very dismissive of LGBTQ people and their experience, partly because I was being defensive of what I was insecure about in myself, right? Um, so now that I've accepted fully who I am and Mm -hmm. recognized that being LGBTQ, not only is it not a bad thing, but it's actually a great thing has opened up so many avenues of, yeah, like I mentioned, like my professional skills of being able to be more compassionate and understanding for other people. Um, I, I think I would probably be a pretty, pretty big jerk if I weren't (laughs) LGBTQ, um, cause I wouldn't have learned so many things about myself and about the savior. I think, I mean, the, the thing that surprises most people when I tell them this is that in, in the first part of this, right. Critical for their mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual health, mm-hmm. being fully authentic with myself, being LGBTQ has improved my spiritual health drastically. I am mm-hmm. far, far, far closer to my heavenly parents and to my savior than I ever was when I was in the closet.
1: Yeah. Ooh, I love that. I hear that. I bet I that right, and I hear that so much from my clients too. I bet you do too, TJ. When they mm-hmm. get to this point, and it it takes a while. Like, like the advice I give to my client, my moms, as I'm like, and to my LGBTQ ones of like, if you're, th- it's possible we've been thinking about this wrong, and like, like you said, this could be a superpower. I love how you put that, and. Start like looking for evidence of how being LGBTQ makes your child amazing or how it makes yourself amazing. And you just like told us about you, but like, I would suggest if you are LGBTQ or if you have a child to journal about that to really start like looking for it that way because I really feel like that's how Heavenly Father looks at you, yeah. you know, and that really patterns that.
0: TJ, so I have a question for you. Shoot. And it's probably not fair to throw this at you, but <laughs> I love that you've learned about yourself because of your embracing who you are and your identity? What have you learned about our heavenly parents and the savior in knowing that you, uh, that you come from them, that you are their likeness? What have you learned that you may be different?
2: Um, one thing that's really important for me now is, uh, heavenly mother's role has become a lot more important to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, as most LGBTQ members in the church have done, I spent a lot of time uh, thoroughly reading through the Family Proclamation, trying to find where I could fit into that um, and how to be able to respond to people who weaponize it against me. Um, so, in becoming familiar with that, one of the phrases that really stuck out um, is when they mention that mothers are the primary nurturers of their children. And I thought, well, okay, if we're, saying that this, if we're saying that this is doctrine, then that means that it is true for all periods of time, all people ever. And that has to include our heavenly parents as well. So that means that my heavenly mother is also my primary nurturer. And why have I been excluding her from these times when I've needed the most nurturing? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one really, really cool thing is that I, I feel much I feel much closer to my heavenly parents and I much more frequently these days will use the phrase heavenly parents rather than heavenly father alone. Um, cause that feels very important to me, um, for a very long time, my relationship with heavenly father was based on how perfect I was, how, how well was I doing in any, any given area, whether it was, you know, tithing or scripture studies or going to church or my mission or, you know, anything. And now my relationship is so, so, so much more based on the fact that I just know that he loves me no matter what, Mm -hmm. um, the biggest, actually the biggest changer for that was something that my own therapist taught me, which was that when you think about God's relationship with time, that it's because he exists outside of time, because past, present and future are continuously present before him, he can't be disappointed. It's literally not possible because disappointment implies surprise or an unmet expectation. And if heavenly father can see my entire life all continuously before him at the same exact time in a way that we don't understand, he can't be surprised. So he can't be disappointed. Uh, I think that he can definitely be, I don't, I don't even know if we have the right mortal words for it. Honestly, I think he could be, you know, sad, um, or, um, uh, concerned yeah. Concerned is a good one. Yeah. When, when he sees us doing things that he knows will hurt us and that he knows will take us farther from him, right. There might be some longing there, but I don't think it's disappointment ever. Um, because usually the things that we feel so disappointed in ourselves in are the very things that either he loves about us or that he knows are going to teach us the most and bring us back closer to him.
1: Mm, so good. I love that thought. You know, yeah, could you imagine it. if we as parents could really understand that heavenly parents are not disappointed that their children are gay, how that would change for them if they really understood that.
0: Well, what I love about it and what I hope for the future of our uh, membership of our church is that we start asking our heavenly parents what we're supposed to, rather than assuming that we know everything about our LGBTQ people, they chose it, they shouldn't act on it, whatever, that we are asking like, What can we learn from LGBTQ people? What can we learn from those um, who are trans or bi? Like there there could be like wisdom beyond this earth that we could learn from really understanding. Um, And it could open our eyes and our minds and our hearts in ways that we couldn't have before when we had kind of those, as Elder Uchtdorf says, the iron gate the heavy iron gate on what, uh, 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 locking the knowledge of what we think we already know. Right.
2: Like we haven't absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's always, that's always the principle that precedes any, any spiritual outpouring is always preceded by a question. right? Um, and unfortunately sometimes because we're so sure that we know something, we don't even ask the question. And so, I mean, if in, in my mind, if you look at the history of not just our church's brief, you know, almost 200 year year history, but the history of humanity, the history of God's relationship with His children in any era, has always been preceded by people with open hearts and open minds, willing to ask questions every single time.
0: Yeah. And I
2: wonder, I I always wonder, how much are we missing because we think we know the answer and our hearts and minds aren't open to more. How, how many decades are we behind where God otherwise would have us be as far as knowledge and revelation and insights because we can't trust that he knows better than we do?
0: Well, so true. And Jenny, I was just reading to Jenny today, this doc uh, from a, an article that BYU, BYU produced about uh, race and the priesthood. And it was talking about President, President Kimball said Uh, revelations will probably never come unless they're desired. I think few people receive revelations while lounging on the couch or while playing cards or relaxing. I believe most revelations would come when a man is on his tippy toes, reaching as high as he can for something he knows he needs, and then there bursts upon him the answers to his problems. And I, I love that. Like, and I think we have finally, as a church, or many people in our church, have moved into this, like, okay, so teach us. Like, we're ready to understand. And then there's great, great LGBTQ members like you, are, you TJ, who are saying, I'm, I'm willing to stay. I'm willing to stay because I love the Lord and I love this church. And I'm willing to stay and and study and, um, and live through a lot of the unfair characteristics that are forced upon you and, uh, and even go as far as helping other people work through those, those, those things that have been heaped on them. I mean, I think that's really remarkable. And I think it's a, you know, that questioning that you've done is clearly brought goodness into your life.
1: And, and TJ clearly brings goodness into our community. If, yeah. I mean, if you we're to leave, honestly, we are less. And every time somebody leaves us, it's, and um, our body is not as diverse and it's not we're losing what superpowers. We're, yes. We're losing superpowers. Ah, right. I love how that states. We're losing. Okay. Your body. okay TJ, so read it one more time? Yes. And okay. Let me read it one more time. I will put this in the show notes and we're also put all of TJ's information. If you guys, um, are you taking clients now, TJ?
2: Um, at this exact moment, my client list is very, very full, but I do uh, plan to be accepting. I, I've got plans in the future, so I'll, okay. I'll, I'll so, just leave it at that. I'll keep so his information. On, you follow me right. on Instagram, you'll be up to date on, on all, the, all the future happenings. Okay.
1: And so you could always find them through this podcast show notes in the future. So that's good to know. Okay. So our declaration two for mothers who know is about eternal nature. And it is... <clears throat> Understanding and honoring our child's sexuality and gender is critical for their mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual health. Their identity permeates all aspects of their spirit and is not limited to their sexuality or sexual orientation. And so we hope that resonates with you as it does, does with Allison and I and other mothers that we have talked to where we have come to realize that our children being LGBTQ is just a really like TJ, I think he said the best. It's one of their superpowers. And the more we understand it and view it this way, then the Lord has taught us of how their gifts and their uniqueness and their beautifulness that they bring to the world is really tied into this and how it changes the world. Them being in it changed the world. And this is part of it.
0: Absolutely. Okay, TJ, our last question for you. What does it mean to you to lift and love? um,
2: so the first, the first thought that pops into my head is the, uh, and, and it's tangentially related. So I'll, I'll <laughs> um, is the, the statement bloom where you're planted, um, which I actually don't super love. And I'll tell you why is because we're not plants. We can move we can change we can we can do things of our own free will that plants can't do a flower has no choice but to bloom where it's planted but we always have the choice and i think part of lift and love is lifting people not only to bloom where they're planted but to bloom where they'll, where they'll thrive and i think part of lift and love is lifting and loving other people sometimes means lifting them to a place that maybe we didn't want them to necessarily be. Sometimes it might be lifting them to maybe they're not going to church anymore. But we still lift them and we love them in that space because we know that is where they're going to thrive and where they're going to flourish if if the church hasn't been a safe space for them. I think it's continuing to try to create the church that can be a more safe place for these beautiful people who are being born into the congregations every single day and who are sitting in the pews wondering if they can have a place and hoping that they can have a place. And I think we can do a lot of work to be able to create those safe spaces and it's going to be work. But as we do that without judging, you know, whether they stay or whether they go, but just really loving them for exactly who they are and making sure that they, even if they question everything about the church or God's existence or anything else, that they never question how much we love them and how much they're welcome in our homes. Always, always. Love that.
1: Beautiful. Perfect. Yep. All right. Thanks TJ, Thank so for, for, TJ for being here. I know we're we'll having you on again, especially now that you are doing these amazing support groups. And um, so please, if you know, anybody who would like to go to these spread the word, we're trying to get them built up and um, it's a really safe place to be gathered together and to have the spirit and to process some of this. So we yeah.
0: love you. Yeah. And you can, you can link to those and get um uh, you'll get the zoom link and the notifications. If you go to liftandlove.org under support, and you'll see that we have several support groups you can sign up for, whichever one um, fits your needs.
1: Great. Right. All right. We love you. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you, guys. Bye. Thanks, DJ. Thank you for joining our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the Lift and Love podcast. And if you like what we share, we would be so grateful if you would leave us a five star rating. For more tips and resources, follow us on Instagram and Facebook
0: under liftandlove.org and and Jenny Hunter Coaching. You can also go to liftandlove.org for loads of information and entry into our free support groups. If you're interested in personal coaching, sign up at jennyhuntercoaching.com. The first appointment is free. But most importantly, remember, you are not alone in this journey. We are building a community of thriving and faithful LGBTQ families who are here to lift and love you.